From our 901 Mission Street studios, you are listening to the San Francisco Chronicle. Welcome back to Total SF in Exile. Welcome back, Heather Knight. It's been a while. It has. Where have you been? I have been um, downstairs looking for (laughs) uh, my Green Apple Bookstore t-shirt so we could wear matching t-shirts even though no one can see us because it's a podcast. We are both wearing Green Apple shirts that say, stay home, read books. Yeah, um, a very good message. I got one for my librarian wife as well. Uh, Heather, back, say, five years ago when we barely knew each other, what would you say the chances were that um, you and I would spend so much of our energy buying and coordinating matching (laughs) (laughs) t-shirts? I did not see this coming. A lot of what's happened this year I did not see coming. That's on the list. Yeah. Well, we're going to talk about books today. Um, Really dedicate not just to books, but... um, the authors and the independent bookstores, which um, honestly, I'm really worried about right now. And I really want to support right now. Yeah, I love bookstores. Um, Amazon Kindle just is not the same. So I love going to bookstores and just, you know, being surprised by what what you might find. I always look at the shelves that are staff picks. And just, you know, the hunt and the discovery is so fun. And I'm really hoping that they can survive this. Yeah, and you don't really have that experience now where you can roam around a bookstore at your leisure. Um, one of our local ones just opened up, but I go in and I get out. So I think it's more important than ever to take recommendations. Mm-hmm. And I thought that could be the focus of today's podcast, Peter and Heather's pandemic reading list. Do you have <laughs> a list ready to go? Yes. Um. Cool. I don't I got nothing <laughs> else. I guess we should go right to the podcast. Let's um, do it. We'll also talk a little bit about independent bookstores. Um, certainly, that's something really important to us. And, uh, and hopefully, uh, we can give them a little bit of support, too. We love you, Green Apple Bookstore. I'm Peter Hartlob. I'm Heather Knight. And this is Total SF. So Heather Knight, um, I've got to say, very smart, um, went to Stanford. You don't bring it up a lot, and you could name drop it a lot more if you wanted to. I uh, Yeah, I'm one of those people who's like, I went to school in Palo Alto. <laughs> so I've got to think that um, young Heather Knight was quite a little book reader. <laughs> Tell me about your book reading history. Do you remember when you kind of got into reading and do you remember like your first favorite bookstore? Uh, Yes, you did spring this question on me, but I'm prepared. Um, My dad is a huge, huge reader. His, um, the walls of his house are just lined with literally thousands of books and he collects first editions of some books. Um, He is always going to the bookstore. He's in a lot of um, independent bookstore, um, like mailed book clubs where they send you a new release every month that they think that you'll like. I get a lot of um, of my books that way because he often gets two or three copies because um, he's in so many different <laughs> book clubs. So uh, definitely got my love of reading from him. He was an English teacher in high school and I um, 
majored in English at that little school in Palo Alto. And um, I grew up reading a ton. Um, I remember some weekend days I would just rip through like three or four books and do nothing else. I was really nerdy as a kid. And um, our outings as a family would often be to go out for dinner and then go to Walden Bookstore. I remember Walden Books. (laughs) Yes, Yes. in the Davis Mall. And I would um, always see if there was like a new book in the babysitters club series but i also loved judy bloom um beverly cleary um all the uh, like anna green gables stuff like that oh little house on the prairie was big nice so i loved books nice i i got into it um through comic books and i was a very nerdy kid i did the reading that i had to do you know i wasn't just a absolutely dedicated reader, but I enjoyed reading. But I remember um, I got into comic books right in the the early 80s when they started to get really good and have a little bit more um, deep plots. And we had this little, uh, it was a smoke shop. It was actually people bought cigars there. So I was like the only kid in there. And I'd kind of be embarrassed to go there because when I was doing this, comic books weren't cool. But then I discovered there was a their comic book store like four miles away, and I don't. They would never let a kid do this now. But I was like twelve years old, and I'd bike, you know, four to six miles to San Carlos to go to this one comic book store, and um, and then I learned that like there were back issues, and I could complete the plots and other plot lines, and I started meeting people who were into it. So that was super big for me. And then um, a little bit a little bit later on, I became the children's librarian at the Burlingame Public Library. And all those authors that you are talking about, I started reading them, but I was a little older. I was like 16, 17, 18 years old, but I read all of the Judy Bloom. Mm-hmm. Um, I read a little bit of Laura Ingalls Wilder and a little bit of Anna Green Gables and um, really got into the kind of that YA stuff. And then, and then as I got older, you know, I, I started to enjoy other things. But I remember mm-hmm. like the comic books were how I got into it. Also, your wife and I have talked about our love of book clubs. I know she's in like 5,000 book clubs. And I started a book club in 1999 that is still going strong to this day. Do you read the book, though, or do you just like talk about your families? <laughs> we read the book, we drink wine, and we talk about our families. Because yeah, my wife's in like four book clubs and... Two of them like are like real book clubs. They like she's stressed if she hasn't read the book. Two of them, I don't even know if they know what the book is anymore. <laughs> but, um, yeah, well, well, let's do a little book club right now, Heather. Okay. Um, pandemic reading. We talked mm-hmm. about this ahead of time. Kind of trying to pick local authors to a degree, but mostly just stuff that we're reading during the pandemic. My stuff kind of edges toward things that. Um, either are going to pick my spirits up or take my mind off things. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I thought I'd let you go first. Okay. Um, yeah. Well, I just finished. I'm going to show you on the video. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, cool Gray City of Love by Gary Camilla. Oh. I can't believe I'd never read this book, but I highly, highly recommend it. If you're listening to the Total SF podcast, you obviously love San Francisco uh-huh. and you will love this book. The subtitle is 49 Views of San Francisco. He explores the city like we do on foot, on bike, just kind of randomly just picking a direction and going. And that's kind of how the book is um, 
goes as well. It's not told chronologically. It's more by neighborhood, but not even, even the neighborhoods don't make sense geographically. He'll just like jump to, let's talk about the Tenderloin. And this is what happened in the sixties there. And then he'll jump to the hate. Let's talk about the summer of love. Um, and you learn so many details. This guy knows how to research and he just finds so many fascinating details. But what I loved most was, um, his writing is just so lyrical and beautiful and I thought I would read a few sentences about his love of San Francisco. The place in the world I love most happens to be San Francisco. It could have been somewhere else, but it isn't. And the San Francisco that I keep in my heart, the San Francisco that I will take with me, even if I never see her again, is the city that is a window open to the world. The city that is as inseparable from her magnificent setting as the lyrics of a song are from its music. The city that rises from the sea as gracefully as Botticelli's Venus. The city composed of an infinite number of accidental perfect arrangements with the earth and the sea and the sky. I mean, oh. that's just like one paragraph. If I could write like that, I would die happy. <laughs> Uh, you're very talented, Heather, and he is, um, I don't know, I met him once uh, at the at the Guac Off. Um, thank you, Roll oh, Over really? Easy, guys. Yeah. And uh, he's just a really sweet guy, too. Um, I, I, I always tell people, like, when I'm talking about the archive stuff that I do, they'll be like, oh, so, you, you know, do you like Gary's stuff? And I'm like, Gary is a historian. I'm a scavenger. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's someone who really has dedicated a big part of... of his his career to you know just knowing this stuff so inside and out that he can get really deep into it and yet he writes in a way that's just super accessible um Mm -hmm. he's just fantastic he's a treasure yeah he is yeah good one good start (laughs) what's your start i'm gonna go in a little different direction heather and it's gonna be uh unexpected um holding my book up now it is um the wedding i did not expect that from you that's like like a isn't it like a bodice ripper almost no but it is a romance <laughs> novel uh the wedding date is the first uh book it's a romance novel by um jasmine guillory and you are um, reading romance novels during the pandemic yes um here's what happened okay i think jasmine's awesome so um kind of knew her i've never I don't think I've ever met her face to face, but I knew her through Twitter um, before she was a romance novelist. She's a lawyer as well. And um, back when I lived in Oakland, um, very much I was, you know, pro Oakland, writing a lot about Oakland. And she's a Bishop O'Dowd graduate, I think, and, you know, share a lot of Oakland love. And then suddenly she's like, oh, I got this romance novel. So I went and bought it to support her. I have never read a romance novel, Heather. Never. (laughs) Um, In my children's library, and there were no romance novels. If there were, I wasn't reading them. Um, So I'm like, oh, I'm going to read it. And and I was kind of embarrassed because I got the book. I planned on reading it. I I have a big backlog. I read a lot for work. Um, I didn't start reading it until like a month ago. And oh my God, Heather, do you know, there's like, there's like sex scenes and stuff in this. <laughs> I'm racy. totally going to read that. Yes, but, okay, here's the best part. All right. Um, a romance novels about uh, Alexa is the female character. She's, um, I think, like a mayoral top aide. And then Drew is a doctor, and they kind of meet cute in an elevator and end up going to a wedding together. I'm not going to give away any more, okay? Okay. But 
um, it's very Bay Area. There's a lot of Bay Area settings, and it's very modern. It's not like the Bodice Ripper. It's definitely not that. It's not like Fabio on the cover. Um, <laughs> these people are, it's like realistic about their bodies and their jobs and their cares and emotions. Um, and one thing that I really like, and I've heard that this is true of all of her novels, is that um, there's like things like consent, the idea of consent, the sex mm-hmm. scene, the first one. Wow. I mean, it goes on for like <laughs> six pages. I was, I didn't wow. know this. I don't read romance novels. I didn't know this, but, um, uh, there's issues of consent in the way that they're talking to each other. And there's just a lot mm-hmm. of things that make it feel like a romance novel for now. And mm-hmm. she's just a fantastic writer. I mean, she's a she's a really nice person, and and these characters are people that you like. They have complicated issues, but they're people you like. Um, I'm Would just, it be a good book club book? Is there any like thing to talk about substantively? You can make something up. Do it for one of your book clubs where people don't like dive too deeply into the book. But it's not like you know, it's not fluff. It's not fluff. It's not trashy. I mean, there's there's certainly relationship issues that are a little bit more complicated than pure good and evil. Highly recommend it. Her new book is um, Party of Two, I believe, is the one that just came out. Um, she's very successful. I see these books in Target. You know, I mean, she's doing doing real well, and uh, and uh, really glad that I started this book, even though it's like a few years late. So. Mm-hmm. Um, the Wedding Date by Jasmine Guillory. Check it out. We'll be right back after this short break. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. I want to talk about Rodham. This is a new novel from my friend from Stanford. Um, We worked on a Stanford daily together. Her name is Curtis Sittenfeld. She published Prep, American Wife. Um, She has like six novels out, I believe. And her newest is Rodham, and the premise is amazing. It is what would have happened if Hillary Rodham said no when Bill Clinton proposed to her. Wow. And then it tells, yeah, it tells the whole story from there. And she um, gets the voices so accurately that I kept forgetting this wasn't really Hillary Clinton's memoir. Um, She just nails her voice. She nails Bill's voice. She nails Donald Trump's voice. Um, I don't want to give anything away either, I should probably not say any more, but Bay Area readers will love this book. Um, and uh, there's a lot of San Francisco scenes because Bill Clinton becomes a tech guru. He's like a CEO of a tech company. And when Hillary goes to see him long after they dated and she turned him down for marriage, um, she goes up into his penthouse apartment in one of the huge um, fancy luxury towers in San Francisco and describes the view um, and of uh, the bay and uh, and the financial district skyscrapers. So there's definitely a San Francisco connection, but I just loved the reimagining of what would have happened if Hillary had not married Bill. Cool. 
It, it, that's almost like science fiction, Heather. <laughs> I've surprised yes. you with a romance novel, and you've surprised me with science fiction because you're the one who like watches Star Trek and says, "I don't oh, like yeah. all these spaceships and whales." There's no spaceships or whales in this book. Cool. Well, that sounds like a good one. Um, it is a page turner. <laughs> my next one is um, Beth Lissick, and um, I I have her new book. Idiot on the Green Screen. It just came out. It's fiction, but um, Beth was, um, in addition to starting the the storyteller series, um, Porchlight Storytelling, which really like Muni Diaries. Some of what we've done really comes out of that idea of of uh, going up and just telling a story. Um, Porchlight, I think, is still going on. Um, but she, she's also, uh, an author. She, uh, was a traveling poet for a while. She worked at SF gate, like back, I think even before we worked at the Chronicle and Examiner, she was doing a nightlife column for SF gate and, um, really ingrained in San Francisco, I think living in Brooklyn now, but coming back frequently. Um, but the book that I'm going to recommend is everybody in the pool, true Mm -hmm. tales, They're basically short stories. They're from her life. She's had two anthologies that are um, stories from her life. One is Everybody Into the Pool. The other one is Yokohama Three-Way, which is one of the the short stories. It's very good. But um, I like it for right now because um, she's very cool, but she's also – there's something about her that's um, prone to – little minor disasters in a way that you don't like her any less. You kind of like her more mm-hmm. and very uh, kind of confessional and, um, and, and, and going back and talking about those times, like in the um, everybody in the pool, a lot of the, the stories take place in kind of the late nineties. And, and um, um, it just kind of reminds me of a different time right around when I got back to San Francisco and, um, the future seemed limitless and we weren't thinking about pandemics and, um, you know, she, she writes about how, you know, during the big dot-com boom, she was dressing up as a banana and working for the fruit guys. I think that's an <laughs> entire chapter in, in one of her anthologies and, nice. um, and just kind of covering that, that part of San Francisco and part of the Bay area that, uh, that I remember fondly and she's an incredible writer and does it in a funny way, a great storyteller. So everybody into the pool, true tales, Edie in the green screen, it's fiction. I can't wait to read it. Um, apparently it covers a lot of the same ground. So cool. Beth Lissick. I have everybody into the pool, but for some reason it's one of those books that I've always intended to read and, and haven't. So I'm definitely putting it high on my list because of your recommendation. And you can read it in chunks because it's, you know, little shorter stories. So Cool. Yeah. Well, I think everybody could use a laugh right now. And I'm going to give a shout out to a member of my quarantine house from a previous Total SF episode. Hunter Pence? Allie Wong. Oh, no, that was mine. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not aware of Hunter Pence having written a comedy memoir, but maybe he has. Yeah. Um, Ali Wong, Dear Girls. She is just hilarious. It is another page turner. Like you could finish it in an afternoon on the beach, um, drink a glass of wine. Uh, she gets really down and dirty in terms of being personal. Um, and just kind of divulges everything is really frank and funny. And it's definitely worth a pandemic read because you will laugh for a few hours, which we can all use. What are kind of your favorite parts of it? Because I haven't read it. Is it more like comedy or is she 
getting into her life? Um, what, what's kind it's of like a tone? memoir? You learn a lot about her family. Um, her husband has he writes the afterward. Um, you learn a lot about her daughters because the whole premise is that she's writing this book for them to kind of tell them about their mom and their family. And so it's very like a, a memoir slash comedy. It's not just like telling jokes. Yeah. Cool. We got to see her um, back when on, on our list of things to do, including getting back to a Giants game um, when she comes through town again. Um, for I'm sure. I'm dying to see it because I love I her. will pay $1,000. <laughs> yeah. Maybe we'll pay a little less uh, when when these things come back. Um, my next pandemic reading, it is not Bay Area related, but it is um, by my new BFF. You looking, Heather? Dan oh, Rather? I know. I've been replaced by Dan Rather. Yeah, this is a sore subject with us because I've been referring <laughs> to Dan Rather as my BFF because he followed me on Twitter and... I follow you on Twitter. I know, I know. But, um, <laughs> uh, what unites us? Reflections on patriotism, and probably when I first saw this book, I you know I don't really know Dan Rather's politics, so I probably was thinking, oh, it's a, you know, I don't know. I mean, maybe it's like a patriotic one of these like Fox News guys who writes about what America used to be griping about how you know people don't wear ties to work anymore and that type of thing not at all and I really learned about Dan Rather through his Twitter feed like just what a thoughtful person and a person who's dedicated to passing on what he knows but also continuing to learn he really has an Mm -hmm. open mind so I've been going through this Um, I'm reading the book it's going to be a graphic novel next year this is about two years old but they're working on a graphic novel so when he's doing the graphic novel book tour um, if he hasn't filed a restraining order against me by then (laughs) um, I'm hoping I can get Dan Rather on my podcast to talk about it oh my uh, god could I read a little Rather for you I'd love it yeah I don't have a Dan Rather voice I don't have a good news anchor (laughs) voice but um um He's just talking about here where all the people's the people's voice and why it's important that it be heard and and, uh, and and important to be involved. Despite all these obstacles, I'm enough of an optimist to believe that if we come together to speak and vote and participate, the nation will bend its path. It is especially important that we engage in action for our children. This struggle is not only about creating the country we wish them to inherit, it's also about teaching them and relearning ourselves how democracy is rooted in civic activity. And there's a lot of themes like that that made me think, I'm, I'm at a point in my life where I'm thinking about myself and my future and my involvement in all this, and he's this guy who's in his mid-80s and is thinking about what he's going to leave and looking around at the world and maybe not too happy with it. And it almost feels like he's rooting for change, not in a real political way, but in a way like, you know, we should have left you something better than this. And I'm rooting for that next generation to become involved and for there to be another, you know, counterculture of the sixties to be another post world war two where we're building. There's just a lot of that. And it feels like this pep talk coming from this really wise figure who still knows how to talk to young people. Mm-hmm. Um, so um, I am sorry that it brings you jealousy, Heather, <laughs> but I am, uh, I am very excited about Dan Rather's book. <laughs> well, I do think he's amazing on Twitter. 
Um, he seemed like, I remember growing up, he seemed just the same as Tom Brokaw and Peter Jennings. They were like the three nightly anchors, but he's like such a badass on Twitter now. He's like super progressive and has like amazing little zingers. So, um, I respect your choice of a new BFF. (laughs) Okay. You're my, you're my like true BFF. He is my (laughs) news anchor BFF. (laughs) Okay. Um, I'm debating. I know we have one more. Do them both. Do them both, like, and it's cool. You do two, and I'll do one more. That's what BFFs do for each other. (laughs) The one I'm in the middle of right now, I'm about halfway, is called Girl, Woman, Other. It's by Bernadine Evaristo, and she won the Booker Prize um, last year, and it tells the story of, I think about a dozen, like I say, I'm only halfway, um, women, black women in Britain and their um, lives. It's kind of a mix of funny and serious and dark and all the emotions. And each chapter is a different woman and they all kind of interlink one way or another. Um, So you never know who's going to be the focus next. The really weird thing is that there's no punctuation. Um, So (laughs) that took a minute to get used to but I am enjoying it. The other one I wanted to give a shout-out to... One question before you do the next shout-out. Does reading a book with no punctuation, um, does that make you start writing stories and just forgetting (laughs) to put in periods and stuff? And if so, what is your editor's reaction, Heather? Thankfully, no. I think I would get fired. Um, But the one that is very... um, very apt for a journalist is She Said which is um, the new book by Jody Cantor and Megan Toohey from the New York Times. They were the women reporters who took down Harvey Weinstein, and this is the um, inside story of how they did that and how horrible he was to deal with because he knew exactly what they were working on, and he just threw one wrench after another into their investigation. But obviously we know how that ended. They won, he was convicted, and it's really inspiring for a woman journalist to read about how they did that. You know, I am. I got that from my wife. Um, I think it was a Christmas gift, and I'm very excited to read it. Um, she is reading that while I read Bad Blood, which is oh, the that was another great Theranos one. one, and that one I love too because it's another. You know, two thirds of it is about all of the stuff with Theranos, but then the last third is really about the um, the John Kerry, you the uh, I think he's a Wall Street Journal reporter, mm-hmm. and how he had to deal with these forces that were trying to stop him. And it was really sinister. Um, And when Mm -hmm. you start seeing what reporters have to do um, when really challenged, I find that part really inspiring, too. So that's a great pick. I'm looking forward to reading that one. And what's your last choice? Um, Well, I started with comic books, and um, I love comic book stores. Um, It makes me feel secure. Like, when I was a kid... I got kind of picked on. I didn't feel comfortable. When I went in a comic book store, I just like my blood p- pressure dropped. Um, never felt like anybody was going to beat me up. Um, I just love them. And I love them today. I think the Bay Area has wonderful comic book stores. So mm-hmm. my last pick is a comic book um, graphic novel. But first, I want to, before I get to the one I'm going to pick, um, I've been reading Hilo by Judd Winnick. I'm mm. actually hoping to get him on the podcast and just talk about um, the real Bay world. Area. He, he's from the. He, we know him from the real world initially, but he's become a, a, a comic writer and artist. Oh, cool. And um, he was on the the uh, San Francisco Real World with Pedro, very good friends. Wrote a wrote a graphic novel, Pedro and me. Mm. And, and uh, Hilo is um, this wonderful 
uh, book for younger kids, it, you know, but I'm reading it and enjoying it and just about this um, boy who crashes to earth. And there's a lot of like kind of, you know, I feel like there's stuff that kids can learn about immigration and, and um, certainly about feeling secure and building friendships. And the the central character who's not the boy who crashed to Earth is this kid who just all of his siblings are super talented and he feels like he doesn't have a place. And mm-hmm. Judd Winnick's fantastic. Um, so I wanted to throw that out there. Uh, Raina Telgemeier is a great way if you have a family and you're not reading comics she's fantastic i almost don't Mm -hmm. even have to say anything about her because she's so popular people know about her but her my son loves her stuff yeah i mean her her books are very much like judy bloom in that it it's something you can give to your kids and it's almost like another way to usher them through some difficult times um her latest book guts is uh, uh it's it's a wonderful book i mean i think it's probably her best one but the one i'm gonna promote it's not a bay area um, writer, but Brian K. Vaughn's Why the Last Man. The premise is Why the Last Man, and this is not for kids. It's uh, it's it's that through some event that's not initially explained, um, every single man on the earth suddenly dies. Whoa. So, um, you know, because I think 98% of the airplane pilots were men, 98% of the planes in the air fall to the ground. Suddenly, like, Israel is a military power because their women, um, you know, are, are so much more involved in the military. Big debate over... So on one hand, there's, like, this one guy left, and they're kind of hiding him because there's a lot of women that just want him dead, too, and don't want any men. Um, on the other hand, some people are trying to save him. On the other hand, there's what's happening in the country and beyond where there's a debate whether um, the women should um, who are who are in Congress should be running the country or if the wives of the men who died should be running in the country and it gets into the politics it gets into it takes this premise that's kind of this you know crazy science fiction thing and then drills in on what that would be like and Brian mm-hmm. K Vaughn he worked on lost and he's worked on some um, series television, but he's really good at that. He's got a, a series called Ex Machina that's about a guy who works in a city hall like you work in who suddenly finds this thing that gives him superpowers. And and then it takes it realistically, like what would happen if that happened? Um, and I like this too because pandemic, you know, I'm reading this now and it's a totally different disaster than what's going on right now. So it almost makes me feel a little bit better. It's like escapist because I'm like, this is actually worse than what we're dealing with right now. Yeah. Um, And it's just really well done. If someone, when I tell people who are not into comics and graphic novels what they should read, I always start with Brian K. Vaughn. Um, so that why... sounds really good. I don't ever read co- graphic novels, but I will read it. This is like the one I would convince you to start with. And I think you'd find it kind of interesting. And um, yeah, so why The Last cool. Man? And uh, awesome. is that our four? Well, I, think, I think we've given each other a lot to read. So hopefully the listeners will agree. Um, yeah. And I wanted to just before we finish, um, uh, shout out a few of the um, local bookstores. Mm-hmm. Um, which ones have you kind of been able to keep patronizing and, um, and, and what's kind of your hope for their future, Heather? Um, I love uh, several. I've been 
really trying to support Green Apple Books. I, I think like half my wardrobe is from them now. I have the t-shirt, a sweatshirt, a couple of masks, a um, couple of bags. And I've been um, to for curbside pickup once and to actually go into the store once um, on the Ninth Avenue site near the park. Um, and also love Bird and Beckett here in Glen Park and um, Booksmith and The Hate. I just really hope that, you know, as many as possible will survive because they're such a unique and um, beloved part of San Francisco. I've been going to Books Inc. It's our Alameda um, store, and I've been just basically going there for all my books. Um, I'm going to start going around and getting to comic book shops. Isotope on Hayes uh, just opened up, and it's a fantastic shop. I mean, the guy who runs it, James, is someone who really is in contact with his clientele and, and is excited about it. And Brian Hibbs, who runs Comics Experience, he's been running the shops for like 30 years. He's my age, but he started doing it when he was, I think, 19 or 20. Um, and he has a comics uh, uh, comics experience outpost, I think it is, out in the Ingleside um, you know, these, these are people who are already really creative and they've stayed alive. So they've had to be creative to do that. But I think this is an even bigger challenge. And, um, I think one thing that I can do is kind of, I want to try and convince people who maybe haven't been to a comic book shop to like, check it out, that there might be mm-hmm. something there for you that you might not, uh, have thought about. So, um, well, next time I see you in person, I'd be happy to go to a comic shop with you. All right, that is um, in stone now. When this is over, or even maybe when it's safe, whatever, I'm going to bring you to a comic book shop, and uh, I'm going to get you into comic books. And what is, like, the Heather equivalent for for me? Well, usually it would be, like, getting your nails done, but definitely not going to do that anytime <laughs> soon. So um, let's still do our Twin Peaks bike ride. Awesome. Excellent, Heather. Um, I think we gave the people some good recommendations. I am going to try for maybe like the next month. I'm going to invite a bunch of authors on and see if maybe this discussion that we're having, I could ask them about how they got into books and get some recommendations from them, not just for reading material, but places to go to get it. Mm -hmm. So that's my plan for the next month. Maybe um, somewhere along the line, you can come on and we can interview someone together. Sounds great. Yeah. So thanks for coming on. Thanks Thank for the you. recommendations. And, happy reading. Uh, yeah, happy reading to you too. We'll see you soon. Bye. You are listening to the San Francisco Chronicle. Thank you to Heather Knight. Total SF is a production of the Chronicle. Our music is The Tide Will Rise by the Sunset Shipwrecks off their album Community and Cable Car Bell Ringing by eight-time champion Byron Cobb. Support Total SF in the newsroom that creates it by treating yourself to a digital Chronicle edition at sfchronicle.com slash pod.